Hey, Combo Nation, we are here. I'm recording this intro from New York City on a Thursday night. We recorded this episode yesterday on Wednesday, and it is a recording from the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube live show. Coach Nick and yours truly discuss the Rui Hachimura trade and more. Always great talking basketball with Coach Nick. Go subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Let's get everyone in here. We'll kind of do our little hangout real quick for about a minute until everyone gets completely in here. So, Combo, uh, you've been busy these days? Yeah, everything's good. I'm locked in. Coach Nick, ready to talk basketball, waiting for the people to get in here. What's new with you, Nick? Well, I'm going up to the Positive Coaching Alliance Gala tomorrow night at the Chase Center. That should be pretty exciting. Is that a gala or a gala? Or is that the same thing? Gala, gala? A gala, a gala. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. I, what do you, what, it what sounds do you fancy. Sounds fancy. Gala. I yeah, think. I'm bringing a suit. Um, so, uh, let me see. And then w- with me and combo, I'm gonna, I'm you should do it. You should, right you should, yeah, yeah. I'll retweet it. You should all uh, wear a suit on one of your videos. That'd be, that'd be fun. Um, yeah, I got a new suit actually not too long ago. looks pretty good. Although I got to say I've lost even a little bit more weight in the last like couple of weeks. And so now it doesn't, it almost doesn't quite fit really well, but, uh, but uh, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. That is yeah. A good thing. I'm going to, I need a haircut. I really, you know. This is me waking right up out of bed. I like to get a short one like you, so I don't have to deal with it. But nonetheless, all right. So we got a few people in here. Oh, wait. Okay, it just jumped. Great. So here we go. So let's start the show like we normally would. And uh, we don't have a ton of time because I got to get on a plane soon up to San Francisco. I'm going to go to the Warriors game tonight, too. So very nice. Um, all right, here we go. Hey, sports fans. Coach Nick here. And welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on a Wednesday morning on the West Coast, afternoon on the East Coast. Uh, and just all around NBA time for you guys. And we have a kind of an interesting news to discuss uh, in the beginning. First off, before I forget, I'm going to launch the video I've edited about Rui Hachimura fit, uh, fitting in with the Lakers immediately after this. <coughs> so don't go anywhere. We're going to go live for, I don't know, about 25 minutes or so. And then I'm going to launch the video in one kind of smooth thing. So let's see how this works. It'd be a nice, almost like a pre-watch party, right? Right, Combo? Sounds like fun. Can't wait to see the video and the Rui news was interesting because I always said that they had to think outside the box. You know, everybody was saying Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, Miles Turner for what seemed like to be five years or something, uh, even though uh, Buddy hasn't been there that long. But, you know, it's good to see them thinking outside the box, right? And this was a good move for them. I mean, nobody could say this was a bad move. I'll tell you that. Right. And there's a lot of things going on here because as you look at what the Lakers have been doing, they've snuck in there the last 20 games or so. They're a top 10 offense. They really figure some things out with LeBron. And what I'll show you in the video is why Rui will fit in really well with this is because, well, A, Anthony Davis can't stay healthy, right? They rely on him so much on defense. He's got to give a lot of energy. He's always on the ground. He's always getting hurt. They really can't rely on him. So to have a guy that's in a similar vein, in a similar position to kind of cover that would be good. Uh, I just realizing I meant to say this. I did it in a tweet, but I didn't put it in the damn video. Gosh darn it. I was in a hurry. But uh, I'll say it here. 
Rui hasn't played more than 70 or 65% of his games in his career. So you're now replacing, you know, you're trying to shore that up with a guy who's also injured a lot. So you got to hope that that kind of holds together. And uh, I can guarantee there'll be some comments in the, in the video not uh, yelling at me for not mentioning that, but I will mention it here. Um, but you know what's interesting is I got a chance to go through that Lakers offense, the recent stuff, just to kind of look at what's going on because it's so heliocentric to, the, to, to LeBron, right? Really, everything slows down. They're very low ranked in passes per game, uh, average speed of the player, um, the distance traveled on offense. They don't move much. LeBron brings it up. Doesn't throw money passes. He'll hold it all the way through for 15, 20 seconds and then throw a pass for the assist or the shot. Um, but I guess you can't argue, right? They, they, they have been scoring really well in comparison to the rest of the league in the last 20 games. It's been working. You're absolutely right. And normally with most teams, ball movement, player movement is conducive to winning. I think in this situation – with this team situation, LeBron having the basketball gives you the best chance to win. So I think Rui will be a good fit positionally. It pleases LeBron in the short term, and I think it's good for them in the long term as well. Yeah, and I, I'm seeing some comments in the uh, uh, or some comments in the little in, in the common area uh, about why he couldn't even start over in Washington, and the reason why is my, my buddy Tommy Shepard was on the on interview the other day yesterday talking about it where they want Denny Abdia to get more opportunities. And by the way, when I was going through the Rui stuff, I got to tell you, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of Washington this year, but like uh, Abdia is doing some cool stuff off the dribble. He's actually starting to create a lot more, which is great to see. His three-point shots still need some help, and I'm here for you, Denny, so call me. But, um, the, but the bottom line is he's been more aggressive, so I could easily see why they want to get him more minutes and not have the pressure of, of playing you know, a good, good player in Rui there. Um, so that was part of it. Uh, the deal itself is great because, you know, Kendrick Nunn had done nothing really in these last 20 games to, to contribute to that good offensive rating. Really, He's, he was playing, you know, 10, 12 minutes a game, throwing a couple shots, in, but nothing major. So to replace that with a guy like Rui is important because uh, I think Rui could actually give them more uh, output on the uh, on the offensive end, certainly. So I guess the question, though, is if you're looking at the Lakers overall and what they would need to do to get better, um, is the front court the first place you'd start to look? Yeah, honestly, I think you could go either way because it wouldn't hurt them to have a smaller on-ball creator, kind of like what Kyrie was to LeBron, not saying they're going to get Kyrie, but somebody of that mold. But, you know, a guy like Bogey could help them as well, who is a forward, who's a bigger player. So, yeah, they need offense. They need shooting. We know that. And they need defense as well. So obviously the biggest thing when you're building, as you said, that heliocentric offense around LeBron, you just need more shooting. And the numbers do say that Rui has shot it well when it comes to catch and shoot. So they need more players like that. You know, he hasn't shot that well from three catch and shoot. And I kind of even di uh, dissect his, his, his shot. Um, but it's not, you know, I think it was like 33, 34%, which is probably, by the way, for the Lakers, that's great because they're, they're, they don't, they don't take any threes, but hardly, and they don't make many threes either. And so they're really stretched and struggled with uh, spacing in the paint. And that is one problem Rui has had when he, he doesn't finish that well, especially among the athletes around the rim. And there isn't going to be a ton of space for him when they're full, full speed, because you'll have Russ, you'll have uh Schroeder, you'll have, AD, you'll have LeBron. Um, those guys are not going to get their defenders out on the perimeter far enough, and they're going to get in Rui's way. Um, so Rui, what, Rui, what Rui is really good at is that is, is here's the thing. It's like a it was like going to a museum watching his footage when you see him do a catch shot fake one dribble pull up 
from mid range. Yeah, yeah, right, um, right. He does it all the time, and he's good at it. He's, he's shooting like fifty percent uh, on the year on his pull ups uh, from the mid range, and he's uh, even higher over the, since he came back from injury. So, um, so he's really good at that, and that's what mitigates his finishing at the rim or his struggles there because he'll just pull up and get the open shot there and, and not goes down on the high clip. Um, you know, obviously that's not going to generate free throws, but you know, I think that between LeBron and AD, those two guys can generate enough free throws. Maybe Russ in there too if he can make them. Um, so that's not the biggest issue. But the thing about LeBron, what you'll see is they they load up on him big time, and he wants to be able to make a kick to the corner or sometimes the wing, and then have somebody be able to create. Rui can actually do that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about the pump fake, one dribble jump shot, because as you know, I mean, you work out players. Like 10 years ago, if you see any high-level pro workout, it would be a bunch of pump fake, one dribble forward jump shots. And if you watch them now, you'll probably see absolutely none of those. Exactly. It was startling, and I mentioned that. It was, like, so shocking to see. We'll see, like... You know, um, AD does it a little bit, but he doesn't do like shot fake, rip through, one dribble, pull. He kind of like catches it, looks around, then he'll like dribble in and shoot it. It's weird. He does that a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like if Clay still does that, but like, you know, Pat Williams, I think, right? Pat Williams from the Bulls. Wow. Doesn't he tend wow, to do that? Up a deep cut. Pat, okay. I get, you know, I can't picture Pat Williams doing that, but okay. Yeah, actually, maybe I can. I can kind of picture Pat like getting to like, the hash mark on the on the uh, on the lane line kind of thing shooting it versus like the 18 but but yeah okay. I, I could see that um and remember the reason why is the modern version of that is now shot fake sidestep stay behind the three-point line and shoot it there uh Rui has not uh, adopted that part of his game uh he doesn't really shoot off the dribble threes anyway much so that's another thing but he won't have to and what I did show in the video which is kind of fascinating is that um what what they've gotten him down to in the Wizards offense was standing in the corner and just waiting for Denny or Beal to create a shot for him well I gotta tell you he'll feel right at home (laughs) going over the Lakers because he will spend a lot of his time standing in that corner yeah, you know, the analytic movement definitely brought some changes to the game. I actually like the pump fake one dribble to the side. The one thing I disagree with when it comes to the analytic movement is trying to get away from the floaters because that's one of my favorite shots in basketball. Yeah, and you know what? Rui can throw a floater in every now and then. He's got little hook shots too because that's the other thing. He's not going to beat anybody off the dribble. He really just can't get by anybody. But he's big, big shoulders, can get it in there and then get his shoulder into the chest of the defender and then step back from the 15 or 18-foot range. And that's a really viable shot. Um, so so that's okay. He's, like, figured these things out. And if he gets opportunities, he can be, a, a, you know, a viable third or fourth scorer on that team alongside those guys. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't get by anybody. Um, he doesn't really finish well at the rim. So, yeah, you'll just see him doing the um, – you know, probably more of the Chris Bosh role, right, that we saw like in Miami alongside LeBron, where he's just doing a lot of spot-ups, uh, but a lot more from three. He definitely gets beyond the, in, into that uh, three-point range area, which is great. Um, the other interesting thing that I made a, a point about was nobody um, of the bigs, I mean, aside from AD and aside from LeBron, they have no other bigs that can put the ball on the floor. The only Like, if you were to look at all the three-point, and by the way, the, another interesting thing would be um, of all the three-point assists to the corners that LeBron has, he's got 37, 38, 39, 40 this year. There's only like three of them that went to big guys. AD's got two and Thomas Bryant, or no, maybe it's uh, Gabriel's got one. So um, this is going to add a whole other dimension to be able to have Rui's position in that corner and him being able to feed that and generate three-point shots out of that, something that they really haven't gotten at all this year.
Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to knock that down in a heliocentric offense, especially right that corner three. So hopefully Rui is working on that catch and shoot. He might not even have to create a lot on this team, which is probably good for him. I mean, you know, everybody talks about how difficult it is to play with LeBron, but he also extends people's careers as well because you don't have to make as many decisions when you're playing with LeBron. And that actually helps some guys. Well, let's discuss that in a second because I really want to talk about that. I also want to mention uh, all the comments are awesome in here. And sometimes we'll actually comment a little bit on it. But if you want us to answer your question directly, uh, Super Chat on YouTube is the way to go. We put your your, uh, your comment on the screen, give you a lot of love, and that would really help us keep uh, this show going. So uh, don't forget about uh, that over there. And um, But I do see you, Starscream, friend of the breakdown, uh, making a lot of really great comments Let's talk really quickly before we get to the LeBron heliocentric thing, because I think it's worth a few minutes before, uh, you know, I, I do need to go at some point sooner than later because I got to get on a damn plane to uh, San Francisco. But uh, I do want to talk about his defense because, again, the Lakers defense. OK, we talked about the offense having a nice, really big jump from I think it was in the 20s to start the season. And now in the last month or month or so and a half, it's it's really uh, gotten a much more efficient. Uh, but the defense hasn't moved at all. In fact, over the last 20 games, it's gotten worse than it has <clears throat> over the overall rating. I think it's gone from 20th overall in the season. It ranked 22nd in the last 20 games. Uh, and that's the that's the only reason why they're like 11 and 9 in those last 20 games, right? They're scoring well. They're able to put the ball in the basket, which is enabling them to be competitive. But they're not going to be able to get to the next jump without playing better defense. And Rui is probably not the guy. Now, I do make uh, make a mention at the end about Schroeder and uh, Beverly as a backcourt. That's another problematic thing that they probably need to shore up. And that's where you should be looking for another trade, which is why the Lakers are probably ecstatic. They only had to give up three seconds and um, uh, Kendrick Nunn. The reason why they only had to give up three seconds and Kendrick Nunn is because Ruiz and the Wizards' relationship were coming to an end. He didn't want to sign the extension. So the Lakers really lucked up on this one. Yeah, and by the way, that's why you're here, to give us all those little extra details about the contract negotiations that I don't pay attention to. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no question that Rui wanted to get out. He, you know, he he does have, uh, I mean, like, this is probably going to be the best situation for him, right? Not, there's not a lot of pressure on him. They have the other stars that he can feed off of. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a primetime, a lot of spotlight on everybody, but in the, but not as harsh pressure. I think he's the kind of guy that can handle it. So I think this will probably be, um, a really good test for Rui to see how he can join in. Now, the only problem he'll have is having to integrate himself in the middle of the year. And that's always difficult. Um, but again, with a LeBron centric offense, there's not a lot of plays you have to learn. Most of the time he's going to be just standing in the corner, maybe spacing out to the wing. Maybe he'll set a screen for those guys every once in a while. And that's transition. About- yeah. Transition. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Now here's what's fascinating about the Lakers offense really quickly is they move like snails on, on in the, uh, in the half court, they don't move the ball. They don't cut, they don't pass all those things. Uh, but they're number two in pace overall. Now that is hard to kind of comprehend. I looked at their frequency of transition possessions and they're up at the top, I think fourth or fifth. So that explains to some degree, but you would almost think that to, to yank that, that uh, those possessions uh, per game up to that or that level something else would have to be happening um you know what i'm thinking this right now it could very well be that it's that they're that either it's turnovers that the other team is now running back quickly and getting a lot of extra fast breaks uh i'll have to dig deep into that and find out and maybe lakers fans who watch every single minute can weigh in on this or something but i do feel like there's got to be something to that where it's the other team generating more because maybe the lakers are turning it over uh although i'm going to check that while you talk and make sure i don't think the turnover percentage is that high 
But anyway, it's a really interesting dichotomy to see them have a high pace, but then slow as hell, everything else. I mean, there's a world that could benefit the Lakers to get up and down the court because in the half court, you're just going to have to have more shooting, right? So if you could get to the rim in transition, that always is a benefit for a team that doesn't shoot the ball that well. Right. Now, by the way, slowing it down means the turnover percentage should be kind of low. You're not throwing a lot of passes because, again, I, the, you know, the analytics would probably tell you the more passes you throw, the more chance you have to throw to turn it over. Um, unless you're just losing your dribble every single time. But <laughs> their, their turnover percentage is, is ninth best in the league. So they're, they're, on the, uh, they're not turning it over a lot. So we'll have to kinda, I'm going to have to try and dig a little deeper in there to kind of figure out how their pace is so high when they don't move, they don't pass, and they, and they, they hold the ball for so long. Um, but it's an interesting dichotomy, which kind of makes sense because LeBron is a dichotomy. He, he's got a lot of interesting things that are always going on simultaneously. Um, and that's another problem, uh, or not a problem. You know, Devin Williams, friend of the breakdown, has – done uh, some Twitter videos about this, about how the ball doesn't move at all. And, um, and it, it, it kind of is hard to play alongside that. Certain players can do it and other players can't. And you'll see sometimes his teammates will go into long droughts of three-point percentage because they're just not getting you know, any kind of regular touches. And so it's hard to get a rhythm that way. Uh, I, will, I will say this as loudly as I can, that I am convinced that their offensive rating would be as high or high, not, if not higher, if LeBron did participate in an offense where he would move off the ball. Um, I don't. I think that that would, would make him better. It maybe makes him more tired. But um, there's no question that I think that as a team concept, they probably would do better if if he would move more. Last season, he was playing more of that small ball five role at times, setting screens, uh, rolling, popping, and I haven't seen that as much this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it looks the same to me as it's been for a long time. Um, you know, and there's a certain uh, kind of player in the NBA that gets to make a pass to the wing at the top and just stand there. Right. Like that's what they'll do. Um, no offense has ever really been designed that way. Uh, if you're talking to a coach. So um, and we've heard this in the past and I've talked about this, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, guys like Phil Jackson and then Steve Kerr is, have taken this and said and pop as well as. They understand that when the ball moves and you get to touch a little bit, you get the kind of energy that will help you on the defensive end. And there's Lord knows the Lakers need that kind of help. And uh, it might not seem like it makes sense to you because you're on the other end of the court. But if you've ever played, there is there something to that and you do feel more connected and that gives you that kind of energy. And then you have, you know, just just more opportunities, which might let, you know, LeBron not have to score as much as he is because, man, he is scoring and he's assisting. He's he's doing everything uh, in a very impressive way for a 38 year old guy who's playing for 21 years, whatever it is. So I don't want to take away the impressiveness of what he's doing, but I do feel like um, his approach could be could could actually uh, could could be adjusted and then help the team more. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. You're absolutely right. When a player is getting the basketball on offense, they're more inclined to play defense, and it doesn't even have to be intentional. I think. Things like that happen naturally. I uh, yeah, I hear you. There's an organic newness to, to to NBA offenses that would help. Uh, there's yeah. a question in here about uh, his defense, and um, so the defense really, you know, he gives energy, really, and he's long. He's got a seven foot two wingspan, and he's only six eight. So that's going to help. But he's never been a guy that grabs a lot of rebounds. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't steal the ball. So you're going to have to hope that he can kind of be solid, which he can, and, and, and give you in, in enough energy, which he can. But what I did see, which was a real problem, and I see, uh, I think Starscream was asking, um, or somebody in the, in the comments is asking about his slow foot speed. Where did it go? 
But um, it's a problem. His slow foot's be there. Nick, uh, Nick Yo uh, asked me this, but uh, yeah, it's a problem. So I, it didn't take me long to find uh, five, six, seven, eight clips uh, just from this year alone of then they switch, force a switch. He's got a guard, and the guy goes right by him for layups. I mean, it, it kept happening over and over again. Um, it, it was too easy for that. So that's going to be a problem. And if you see in the playoffs, they're going to have to figure out how they want to play him because um, do they play him as a starter? And I'm very intrigued by the possibilities of a AD, LeBron, and Rui backcourt and let Rui kind of play defensive center. The only problem with that is, and I didn't have a chance to put this in too much with this defensive um, stuff on the post, but he gets knocked off the spot pretty easily too. Some of the tougher centers uh, were knocking him out of the way and he wasn't able to hold the spot. So that that might not work so well. I don't know if AD does it either any, anyway. So what are your thoughts about a, a big front court like that? Yeah, I think you can't rely on Rui when it comes to defense. Hopefully he could be solid, but I definitely seen his lateral movement isn't the greatest. And obviously, as you said, he doesn't provide ridiculous amounts of rim protection either. So hopefully he could be an average defender or a plus defender at the most. But, you know, in this conversation, we definitely have to say that I think there's more moves that have to be made if they want to be real legit title contenders. Obviously, AD's health matters so much in all of this as well. Absolutely. And, and, and don't forget, by the way, I'm about to drop the video itself. So this is going to be like a little bit of a you know pre-watch party, and then I'm going to launch it. Uh, maybe next time we'll try this with a, with a premiere so we can all watch it, but I got to now get into a, on a plane in a minute. So, um, But I want to just let you guys know, don't go anywhere. Uh, maybe just refresh it as soon as I'm done with this. I'm going to hit like, you know, uh, publish and it'll go live. Uh, and it's really good. I'm really excited for you guys all to see it because it really shows you a cool dichotomy of not a, like a cool juxtaposition of how these things work. And I have my famous edit, wipe edits where LeBron throws the pass and then Rui catches it, uh, you know, to shoot it. So I, have oh, I like those. Yeah. So everyone seems to like those. Yeah, I I found so good ones. Um, we have a uh, we have a super chat. From best friend of the breakdown, Bron from Canada. Thank you so much, Yozer. You hoser. Um, Lakers pacing seem really dependent on the unit they put out. Russ Wenyon with his second unit versus LeBron and Schroeder, who are more methodical. Now that's interesting oh. too. And so yes, I have no doubt if you look at the on-off pace with LeBron on and off, that would change drastically. But that said, I just did a video with Luca versus LeBron, and LeBron was pushing the ball up every chance he got. So I would like to see what that is, and that could very well be part of it as well. Um, but at the very least, we, you're just adding more talent. And so the Lakers will be better, uh, you know. Now, here's the interesting question about the Lakers and, and this season. It's been a weird season. Uh, it, it almost didn't feel like they were going to win 41 games. Like, they weren't even going to get to 500. Um, it, it could almost kind of feel that way, but here we are. And you know what? They're four games under. And the 10th place team are the Warriors, um, who probably won't be the 10th place. I'm assuming the Warriors are going to get out of the play-in area and get into the top six, right? Do you feel that way? Yeah, oh, I think so. Least. I mean, you know, when AD comes back. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're there. Sorry. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah, no, when AD comes back, I think they definitely get back in there. I mean, the West is tough now that we have the Kings in the mix, right? I mean, that offense is just absolutely ridiculous. Yes. And if you didn't watch the video I did, please, maybe you didn't get a notification or something. Go watch that one, too, because uh, I, it was whenever I use a lot of coach paint, which is like that really cool 3D thing that all the, you know, the TNT uses and stuff like that. And I get to use it because well, I'm cool. But um, whenever I do a lot of those clips, it's always the best videos because it's really a great way to explain how the offenses work. 
But uh, you got to watch that Kings video if you haven't, because it really is good. And it's really amazing what they're doing, getting NBA players to run uh, the offense the way it was designed basically from like the 70s. This is, you know, this is the pure Princeton a lot of the time. And it's beautiful. And it's a heart. It's a throwback, which is really cool to the 2000, early 2000s Kings with Vlade and Chris Weber and Mike Bibby. Uh, so that's really exciting to see, like the sort of all these connections in the same team, same arena. Uh, and uh, yes, do I a question for you do you see any warriors influence on the king's offense you know i thought i was going to but i don't see low post splits for instance really i don't think i see too many of those um and we, when you think that they would do that although you know what i might might have to take one more deep dive on some of the um post-ups that they run out for um for a sabonis because i was so focused on like the team offense and how they're moving their half court but uh, I don't see a lot. I, this is more pure Princeton, and, and really because I had gone to Mike Brown's practices with the Lakers when they first got um, Nash, and they had uh, Dwight, and they had Kobe, and he was trying to install this exact offense back then. And, the, and you know, I think that there was some pushback by somebody on that team who didn't want to run it like that. And so they didn't get a chance to show what they were doing, which is finally 10 years later, here he is getting it. And this is what – and it, it's beautiful. So – I see much more Princeton stuff than I do anything else. And I don't, and the Warriors are, don't really do that. They don't really do, you know, the, the, the strict, you know, Princeton stuff that you're going to recognize as easily. You'll see handoffs and you'll see split cuts, you know, in certain similar areas, but it's, it definitely feels different. The Kevin Harder, Clay Thompson thing. I think there's some comparisons there, just their ability to shoot the basketball at that high level off the move, off the catch, yeah. you know, movement shooting with those two. So that's a similarity that I see. Absolutely. Very, very similar uh, for sure. And then uh, just to kind of put a button in that discussion about the standings and then I got to go in about, I don't know, maybe two, we'll call it two minutes because I got to get on the plane. But uh, uh, by the way, uh, awesome show, really, even though it's a little bit shorter and yeah. I was finishing the video. So I'm glad we could do this. But um, so right now the Lakers are 22 and 26 and obviously they're going to play a lot better when Anthony Davis comes back. Um, they'll play over 500 ball, right? Like they should play some version of over 500 ball. But is that enough uh, to get into the play? And now I don't think they're going to get to the sixth spot. I don't, I mean, although let me just clarify that right now, Dallas is in the sixth spot above Phoenix um, at 25 and 24, only one game above 500. So the West is a lot different than it had been in the past where you can make the playoffs and get, and even avoid the play in perhaps uh, being around 500, which is crazy to believe. Right. Um, so, so I suppose, yes, we need to be able to say that right now they're only a game and a half out of the last play-in spot. So it's perfectly reasonable to assume that they're going to play better and get closer to 500 or a couple of games over. Um, and I do feel like that would end up, you know, getting them into the mix, but just for the play-in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the West is crazy, man. It's going to really be crazy to see how things shake out with all these teams that are playing well. Um, as we talked about the Kings and – not to keep harping back on the Kings, but I just had a tweet yesterday saying like the two most scariest things for the rest of the most scariest, not proper English, but uh, here, here's what I had to say. Um, the two scariest things for the league right now, in my opinion, is the Orlando Magic's outlook and the Kings offense. Like yeah. those two things are super scary for the league and it, it yeah. keeps getting scarier day by day. You, you, the, you miss the scariest thing, and that's the Clippers. And they just showed the Lakers Whoa. what they were about last night. And uh, I, I was, I've been preparing this video for a week, and I was like, sort of not loving what I was going through with the footage. But I think last night, what I saw will give me some even better stuff to use. 
they, they're dropping the gauntlet right now. I think they're now really committed to getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing together at the same time. Uh, and, and, you know, aside from maybe like a, a road game back to back, they're really going to make sure that they, those guys play together and get that chemistry. And we saw it last night. And it's like they, they played well together. They play well apart. Um, and they can lead a team to uh, the finals without question. We got another super chat uh, from Ven. Thank you, Ven. I think this Ven might be the first. This might be the first super chat we ever gotten from them. Lakers need to trade Beverly and Damian Jones. Okay, so I'm going to disagree on that one. The person that, well, listen, I think part of the problem is Beverly doesn't really have any uh, value. He, he, he's probably having the worst uh, offensive year of any starting guard ever in the league. Uh, I got to look a little clear closely, but it's down there. Uh, it's it's Schroeder who they needs to go. Schroeder uh, in in, a, in different subtle ways is really kind of killing this team. Um, and it, a lot of it's defensively. We saw last night him and Russ get into it on the bench, which is kind of interesting. I don't even know if it was that big a deal. What we saw uh, from Worldwide Wob's tweet, because they were together talking, uh, David Meneman reported later that they were having an animated discussion apart uh, across the bench. I didn't see any footage of that. And if that was what people were talking about, maybe that would be more animated because the other one wasn't so. But the bottom line is Schroeder is a guy that they, they need to move. And I think this is why they're, you know, they're giving him opportunities. He's scoring well. I think he's trying to – I think they're inf- inflating his, his value uh, over the next several you know, weeks. So watch for that. Watch for Schroeder to have, like, good games, fill up the box score, and see if they can't get him moved because they need to upgrade that position more than anything else. Uh, I think that would really help. Now, Russ is the other issue there, too. But his contract, I think, prohibits any kind of midseason trade. I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't think there's much trade value for Pat Bev or Russ. And Russ is finding his role, maybe with AD back, Rui in the starting lineup. Um, you know, Russ can embrace that role and, you know, they can make a title run with Russ. I think there's more value in that for the team than trying to trade him, in my opinion. To your Clippers point, I just had a tweet today about how Paul George has to be the most underrated player in the NBA for a long time. Uh, yeah, that, and that's a, probably a part of the video that's going to be in there, too. Um, but anyway, so that, that is the key there. If they can move Schroeder, then they're really uh, going to evolve themselves into a different uh, category. Uh, that'll really help them. And, and again, if they can continue to manage Russ and not play him in crunch time, because we just keep seeing too many mistakes. Last night was a great example. I mean, it was, it was a little of outside of crunch time. It was five minutes to go or a little bit over. But, you know, they, they, they hand the ball to him, and he's got five seconds inbound. And now nobody else moved, so let's not blame it all on Russ. But, like, there wasn't any movement for the out-of-bounds play. But he just catches it within a second and a half, just fires it to half court. It's, it's, it's an amazing steal by Paul George, an amazing play uh, to recover it by uh, Kawhi. I think uh, Schroeder learned the hard way that when you're on the ground and you're trying to pass to somebody, you better not have Kawhi near you anywhere because he snatched that ball and then they got an N one and that pretty much sealed the game, it felt like. So, um, anyway, but the point being that if they could, if they could shore that up, then they'll win even more games than I would project them to do now. And that might get into the upper level of the play-in, maybe sixth. And at that point, then you probably, if they could get that far, they'd be playing um, at, a, at a 70% clip, I'd imagine, to get them there. And that would put them in, in contention if they could have sustained that kind of winning for, you know, the last three months of the season, then then you got to consider them to get deeper in the playoffs now. But if they don't do any other moves, then um, the, they get them the play-in. And I, I don't know, they, they could probably get out of the play-in and get into that, you know, first round. But uh, I think that would probably be it. You'd be surprised if they didn't make any more moves, right? And I'd also be very surprised if they didn't make any more moves. They have yeah. to see this. Now, who knows? If Rui suddenly <laughs> becomes somebody else, 
and it really, really is clicking, I, I suppose. But I don't, I don't see. I still think that you, you know, you're always trying to improve. They need to upgrade the backcourt. They need to. Uh, and and if it's maybe like Lonnie Walker, maybe taking that Schroeder spot and, and figuring something else out for the Beverly, whatever, maybe they could do it in house. But I think they need to upgrade it. Uh, the only question then is, is like, who would that be? What kind of really good guard could they rely on? Uh, Terrence, Terrence Ross. They should try and get Terrence Ross. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it's more of a ball handling guy. I, I would probably think it's, here's the problem. If they try and choose someone like Conley, um, they, I could sort of see that, but I don't think Conley is the guy either. I don't think he'll give them much more than why what defe- they why, defe- why defensively? He doesn't have uh, much. Is that I, mean, why? Just, I don't think offensively either. He is, he's that guy. Honestly, I think he's okay, but well, I don't think prime. Prime Conley, he'd be the guy. I mean, yeah, but that's a long, long, <laughs> long time ago. I mean, that was when I started B-Ball Breakdown was Prime Conley. So, um, you know, when he really was playing as well as he could, I don't think he's been that way for, uh, you know, a long time. So I don't think he's he's enough to get you beyond, you know, what Schroeder gets you. It's got to be something more than that. And that's going to be think, tough because what you think you think Jordan Clarkson could taper down his game a little bit and help them. No. Um, maybe, but not, I don't think so. He's, okay. he's not what they need either. They need a guy like, like CP three. I don't know, coach Nick. I mean, you think Conley is past his prime. I mean, CP three is right there with him. I mean, the he's Suns right. are thinking he's about he's like CP three. You know what I mean? That, they need that oh. kind of so Jordan Clarkson is not yeah. that, you know, those guys are not like that. They need someone, I think like uh, that oh. a little bit more, um, I mean, listen, the problem is, is LeBron controls the ball so much. So how does that work? But um, they, they, they just need something more, more like a Brogdon. They need that kind of a guy who's, who's steady and, you know, and is, and, and is reliable. And they, and they you know, come, he's, he's consistent. You well, know? yeah, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying to think about I'm, I'm trying to think about guys that could actually go there, though. You know, like, I know, I, I know. Mean, of course, so, so of course, is, of course privacy. Prime CP3 at Brogdon would definitely help them. <laughs> and Albert, it's not a bad call. Like maybe it's Eric Gordon. Maybe Eric Gordon gives you some of that. And that's not a bad call. I've been uh, saying I mean, that for years. I've been saying that for years. Yeah. yeah. So Lord knows he wants out of there. So that might be the best move they can do. So good. We'll, we'll, we'll throw Albert on there. So, you know, there you go. Um, but anyway, I got to go. I got to get on the, uh, a plane. I'm going to go to the uh, Positive Coaching Alliance Gala tomorrow night. Gala, Gala, whatever you want to call it. Uh, going to the Warriors game uh, tonight. Uh, that'll be fun. It's on the ESPN game. Maybe I'll tweet from there. And um, anyway, don't go anywhere. I'm about to drop this Rui Lakers video. So let's see. Let's prove this point. We can do a live show into an edited show and show me how well that works. Because I'm really excited to, uh, to share it with you. So everybody out here, go watch the show. Make a comment. Give a thumbs up if you like it. Subscribe if you're not. But you probably already subscribed. So either way, uh, combo. Thanks for jumping on here. Thanks for dealing with my uh, my hair on fire as I'm got to you know pack and get the heck out of here. And um, I don't know. Don't forget sports fans at B-Ball Breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in combo? Yes, sir. There it was. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to Coach Nick for having me on the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube live show. We've been actually doing it for over a year now. So big shouts to Coach Nick. Always appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. Share this episode I would appreciate it greatly. You could share it on your IG stories and tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. It's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Tweet it out. 
And you could tag me on Twitter at Combos Court. Same name as the podcast, C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. And be on the lookout for episode 440. Combo out.